Welcome to Nerds and Bubbles. Is there a problem, sir? What kind of a title is I was told there'd be cake? I've flipped through this book, can't find a single reference to a pastry or a bakery. Not so much as a blueberry muffin recipe. It's just a title, sir. But that's just it. If you're going to name a book with cake in the title, you'd expect the author to live up to the promise, wouldn't you? Well, the writer is quite attractive, and as many New York media outlets have proclaimed, she does have shiny hair. Surely there's some wonderful superficial hook for you, unpredicated upon the value of the text. Are you mocking me? I don't want an attractive author of shiny hair. I'm not interested in what the author looks like. My God, when a book promises cake, it better deliver. But oh, surely you can extend your range of indifference to the title. There are no limbs in a farewell to arms, but people keep on buying it. It's a metaphor, sir, one I'm sure that you could appreciate. That's not the point. Well, what is the point, sir? Shiny hair is not a bad selling point, and the author is very nice. I'm not looking for something nice. I'm looking for something aggressive. A book so tough that it will challenge me to jujitsu and leave me with a bloody nose. With cake in the title. Obviously, you're unaware of irony. Okay, so I am here with Sloane Crosley, who is the author of I Was Told There'd Be Cake. Sloane, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing fine. There's a Marie Antoinette theme to your title here. I (laughs) don't know if that was intended. I still have my head, though. (laughs) Okay, okay. That's good. I wanted to, first of all, address perhaps... Taking on these essays with one general observation, in Lay Like Broccoli you write that being a vegetarian in New York is not unlike being gay, but I must ask you, why care so much about how you were perceived? Because that's essentially what this is all about. That specific essay or the well, whole that book? that specific essay, but also the whole book, because there's a, there's a bit of uh, hiding behind the essays. Well, is there? I think, I think it's more um, that clash between trying to grow up and you know trying to realize who you actually are once you become a grown up so it's not you're actually not not actually hiding behind um any sort of specific concern i have about people's perceptions but more just trying to figure out who you are it's like you try on different selves i was telling someone the other day that um my favorite part of in cold blood I assure you, this makes sense for an sure interview about a humor collection. <laughs> My favorite part of *In Cold Blood* is actually this tiny detail about um, when he finds Nancy's diary and he's, you know, going through it, and obviously it becomes a huge part of the book. But he talks about the actual handwriting and the different various inks and the different colors she would use, as if she's uh-huh. trying on different selves to uh-huh. say, you know, is this Nancy? Is this Nancy? Is this Nancy? Now, granted, of course, she's what uh, sixteen at yeah. the time. So, in an ideal world, I would have less colors of ink and different styles of handwriting to try on at 29 years old. But, um, so when I say the thing about the, you know, the vegetarian thing and the vegan thing, um, it's more observational than something I'm actually petrified of living with on Mm -hmm. a day to day basis. It's Mm -hmm. just sort of wondering what the world thinks when they look at you. So each of these essays, not necessarily adjusting your behavior accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Each of these essays would essentially be a different shade of ink for you that there's yeah, a sort I guess of, that's a good way to look at sort it sort of uh, you know a different type well of hopefully stone. there's different yeah. hues of the same ink if we can continue the oh, analogy sir, until it's totally certainly, dead certainly you're, <laughs> but, you're, you're a veritable <laughs> printing factory <laughs> exactly yeah. well just because you know if they it's uh, implies a sort of split personality effect if they're all totally different. You know, yeah. they all do have the same voice. Um, yeah, but it's interesting that if we could take this analogy further, I mean, ultimately... <laughs> Is that possible? Yeah, well, of course, of course we can. I mean, typically when you are a personal essayist, you are writing in your own innate voice, but uh, it sounds to me that your approach here is almost more like a, an impersonator, like a novelist, because a novelist is toned to impersonating voices. Well, Would you not say- really, actually. Um, I mean, they're all my voice. It's just different observations. I think the thing is, the problem that you're... Not problem, maybe. Maybe problem. it's a problem. I don't know. The uh, sort of... Uh, 
aspect of the yeah. uh, book that you're sort of picking up on um, is something that is very much intentional, um, which is that I think people need to categorize essays. People need to say, this is this kind of book. This is that kind of book. Um, you know, you are an angry person. You are a friendly person. You are a bitter person. You are, you know, intelligent. Or too nice you're ditzy. So, you're too nice. <laughs> oh my God, the interviews are hysterical. You know, they're, I mean, excuse me, the reviews, you know, where they're, you know, she's, she, there's too much edge. There's not enough edge. Yeah. You know, she's, she's too much of a nice girl. She's actually kind of mean. I'm not sure if you'd want to be friends with her. You know, all these different, you know, you sort of can't win. But that's the point is that I don't know a single person in my personal life who just fits neatly into a certain category. And that's where the different kinds of ink thing yeah, yeah. comes well, from. You know, it's, it's the same pen. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, it doesn't always come out the same way. It, it confuses people. Yeah. And I think it's just because I wanted to do something different than a lot of essay collections. I, I'm wondering if it was a scenario in which... This text serves as a prism between author and reader, and different readers pick up different perceptions, as yeah. is intended through a prism. But I mean, uh, as the author, I, I'm sure that this must bother you in some sense, because you know you want to have people come away with a particular impression, or, or don't you? I mean, what do you are, are you trying for a particular impression of yourself or of this particular? incidents that you you actually chronicle sure i mean i think i am trying for a particular impression because there there there's not a huge amount of distance between the way i actually speak and the way i actually think and behave and the voice in the essays mm-hmm. um and the actions in the mm-hmm. essays uh and therefore it's the same way you know through life you'll always have one or two people that it's incredibly frustrating because if people don't like you or they you know object to what you've done or the voice or 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 your personality um that's okay it happens but occasionally there'll be a handful of people where you you can totally sense you can't put your finger on it but you can sense that they have the wrong idea and you can't fix it and it's incredibly frustrating yeah um and so yeah that's a little bit a little bit frustrating but most mostly it's been a good reaction hopefully well but i mean but on a certain level you you can't care what people think and yet you're in a occupation on your, your day job in which well you're have to pay attention by vocational necessity because you are a publicist and you're and I can't even imagine how your training to observe every conceivable reaction to another author is probably being applied to this particular collection and every piece of ink <laughs> ancillary ink ancillary meta ink, ink you know <laughs> uh, that is being uh, that is coming from the reaction to this particular essay so I mean so how do you corral these these two paradigm, so to speak, the idea of, of being forthright about who you are and, 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 and not caring and perhaps caring too much. Well, um, it's funny. I, I was at, a, this is kind of insider baseball, but the at the LA Times Book Awards, yeah. and I was talking to a book editor, and um, this is, a, I think the book had not really come out yet, or had just come out. It had not come out yet. Yeah. And... Um, she said, oh, how are you doing? And I said, I'm good. You know, I'm nervous. I'm excited. All the things that you say when people ask you how you feel about the book. The truth is you sort of are so blacked out by that point you feel nothing. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's customary to produce yeah, an emotion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, <clears throat> she said, you know, I said, well, it's a little bit, you know, it must be weird with your day job. And I said, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit strange. And then she sort of jumped to this compliment saying, well, you, you must know, though, you know, unlike most, auth- most authors, you know when to not cross the line. And I sort of nodded because, again, that's sort of what you do in conversation. But really, I was kind of thinking, actually, I know where the line is. Mm. It's a database of thousands of names. 
yeah. <laughs> that I have at my disposal and I will cross it. Yeah. And I'm sort of like, you know, trying not to be a two-headed monster yeah. about it. Um, you know, I think it's just, you have to, I, I mean, it's very different when it's yourself, both in terms of your, how you lose sight of what's possible for your book, I think. Um, but also the good news is that it's different in terms of uh, your concern with perceived appearances because my concern is normally on behalf of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't have the same concern with myself. Like that, that sort of preoccupation with appearances that you're talking about yeah. is other people's appearances. Yeah. I'm yeah. sort of behind the scenes. And yeah. so... But it, a, it can be a separate animal. Yeah, and I'm sorry. To, I mean, I will get into the essays eventually, no, but I am. Fine. This is a very intriguing line of inquiry. But, but this notion of if you have to put up some kind of face, obviously you do. Uh, you for I mean, the essays or for the well for for anything. Oh, right. But even for the essays, I mean, uh, it, it. I know you know we all have this problem, but it takes a good deal of energy to put up essentially the nice face when dealing with people or having to contend with people who who are going to, uh, to to ask these particular questions. Here I am now in, in the form of a journalist who is now you know, I suppose in our own ways we're putting on our own faces as we as we speak here you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to be well, as, as forthright so. as I can. You know? Well, I will say that um, in, in both of my chosen professions there's this idea that I must be um, putting up a front or uh, somehow, you know, not really a nice person or not really a friendly person or something. Um, I mean, I've had, you know, every time, everyone makes these grand assumptions about publishing that there's like something everybody's keeping to themselves. You know, I feel like I've gotten lots of calls from publishing reporters or gossip columnists specifically who, you know, I remember once a gossip columnist called me and asked me if I could confirm whether Donna Tartt was working on a novel about a bunch of people trapped in a basement. I said, I have no idea. Uh, and, and I'm not asking her, furthermore. And they assumed I was lying to them. You know, there's this yeah. assumption that there must be so much going on behind the curtain. And I don't mean to imply that uh, for the sort of corollary of my writing that that means that there's nothing going behind the curtain, which is an expression for someone being stupid. But Or <laughs> it's just an expression for the Wizard of Oz in my book, which I think is a positive. I have a you know, small yeah. man living in my apartment. No, yeah. that's a different interview. But, um, pay no attention to the slow no behind the curtain. attention, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that it's, it is the same person. You know, it's not, there's not a huge amount of face putting up with. I mean, we're in an interview right now, so if you said something truly horrid to me, I think I might respond slightly differently if the microphone was off. Yeah. But barring that, this is pretty much this is where I get coffee every morning. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> this, this is, is why of, I do these interviews kind of it, in exactly. cafes because we want to be it's as not, you know, truthful, I, and it's, it's so to speak. It's flattering that yeah. people think that there's that there must be something so sparkly about the outside that it can't possibly cut through to the inside. But it's it's it's. Maybe people are suspicious because, well, nobody can be that nice or nobody can be that evil. And maybe what what they're. (laughs) And and, I mean, you know, there are elements, there are things I noticed in these essays that were, you know, I mean, for example. Borderline evil? Well, there there was. I mean, I I should ask you about uh, Organ Trail. You describe your delight in naming the Wagoners and manipulating their destinies. And you point out that it didn't take you too long to employ your powers for evil. So. If the manner in which you play organ trail is indicative in any sense of who you are, I must ask, well, this doesn't seem so nice, or is this again playing a role? You know? I think it's just all one big connected personality blob. I don't think it's different. I think that everyone has their 
moments where, you know, I feel like on the same subway ride, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, you'll hold open the door for the woman with the baby carriage, you'll give up your seat for somebody, and then somebody will touch your hand on the subway pole, and you will give them the dirtiest look conceivable to man. Yeah. And that's in 30 seconds. I just don't see it as incredibly as incredibly different. And I think the truth is that the uh, <laughs> the niceness myth came from some early media, which I received yeah. for the book. Yeah. Um, and it's not actually about the book itself. I do think the book has a slightly darker edge overall, which is really what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and which is really sort of the truth, but you behave like a human being. But I mean, it's like we're not babies where every emotion registers at a different, yeah. you know, octave every second. I mean, you... But here you are pointing out that you hope, hope open the door, you know, for, for, for baby sure. carriages and the like. Well, and it so, depends. So if there, it's like there, a Park Slope baby carriage situation, I'd probably <laughs> well. slam it, but... <laughs> Barring that, uh-huh. see, this, this, uh, this is what we're looking you know, for here. This well, is, I'm just trying to clarify for the public <laughs> record. Uh, but I mean, this notion of, of being nice versus being true is—I mean, this is this is one of the things that kind of—I I read these essays and I said to myself, "Well, there's some very interesting dark stuff in here. There's some interesting exuberance in here. There's some interesting quirkiness <laughs> in here." Exuberance for evil. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> yeah. Exuberance can cut both ways, I, I believe, uh, and I think my own writing also, <laughs> also go. uh, goes that way. But 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 this but there was also you know it was very in some senses it was it was relatively muted or it was eked out or doled out in such such as the organ trail or even the you know the infamous wedding essay in which you complain about being the single yeah, guest who has to be committed to labor. And I said to myself, well, wait a minute, you know when you go to a wedding, it's the bride and groom ceremony and all that. It's not you know your duty to to complain or kvetch about you know what, you know that kind of thing assuming they're so, close friends of yours yeah well that, that's true and, and i know you know the wedding that we we do actually have in this ends up being a completely different beast altogether but it it does it it, it is interesting this this idea because i i kept i kept wondering if if uh if you had imposed some sort of internal censorship upon yourself in writing any of these essays um that's interesting i think I will say, well, two things. One is I just want to say first what's really funny about in terms of the reaction to the collection is that I didn't intend this to be the case, but uh, sometimes it's a litmus test. And um, <clears throat> people who say that by far their favorite essay is that wedding essay, I'm very wary of. <laughs> because that essay is, uh, I know what it is. It's the harshest. That's why it's towards the end of the collection. Yeah. So that in an ideal world, if you do read it from start to finish, you hopefully like me and you forgive me all my evils by then. <laughs> but it's also the longest too. It's it the is most very sustained, long. which I find is it the interesting. I, I believe it, it is. It's something like, it's like forty pages. I think. Yeah, or, it is. A, it's oh, it's it's lengthy. I just I think it might get it might have gotten beat out by the butterfly one. I could be wrong, but anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> sorry, clear my throat. But your question was, why are some of them muting? I totally lost your question. I'm so well, sorry. Well, the idea of <laughs> internal censorship. Oh, internal censorship. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and how, much not, you, how much you, you had Right, to how much were there things? There are definitely things that if they were cut out, it's because they weren't well written more than, oh, this is too mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to write unabashedly mean things. Um, there's a, did you ever read Fraud by David Rykoff? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that book. Um, yeah. And there's a part where he talks about... Um, a Beautiful Life. Is, it, yeah. is that the movie? And what's the guy? Who's the name of the actor? The Italian actor? Oh, um, yeah, Roberto, you're, you're talking no. Roberto Bonini, yeah. Roberto Bonini. Um, and it's funny because David Rykoff, you think he's being 
kind of mean and kind of cheeky and a little bit edgy and yeah. a little bit Canadian the entire time, and he is. Um, and Canadian, then, of course. <laughs> God love him. <laughs> and then you don't really know what it is. I mean, it's almost like it's, a, it's what's funny for for sort of. Uh, urban certain kind of guy he's got it's it's a weirdly kind of alpha male idea of you don't really know what mean is until he takes the gloves off yeah and there's one bit in an essay where he just goes off on roberto benini and says something like you know you know here's a man who you know basically implied that people didn't survive the holocaust because they didn't have enough of a sense of humor about it yeah going on and on about it and saying essentially i can't say enough bad things about him yeah yeah and it's just this cutting, cutting moment where you're like, my God. And it makes you, it throws into uh, this weird light. It casts a weird light on all the other essays because you thought, have you just been holding back this entire time? Yeah. You know, but I think it's really just judiciously using, you know, your deepest, darkest thoughts, just as the way you would judiciously use your most like warm and fuzzy rainbow and unicorn thoughts. You know, I mean, the thing is, the things I feel positively towards also have a bit of a dark bent to them mm-hmm. if that makes sense it does so make s- in other words there's censorship but it's for the sake of the writing it's not for the sake of how people are going to perceive the writing but in Rakoff's case he is Jewish so Am therefore I? well I know you're <laughs> Jewish too the point I'm trying to make is is that Roberto Benini's uh, offense cuts directly towards his identity in that piece and and I think that I think that bridal offense cut directly towards my identity yeah, because yeah. I'm a female who gets invited to a lot of weddings. Um, I mean, it's not a universal identity. Maybe that's the thing, is that it's easy to say people who make fun of the Holocaust are bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas uh, it can seem either cruel or I guess perhaps not cruel enough mm-hmm. when you're trying to identify something that cuts to your personal identity. Well, I mean, but how aware are you about this cruelty impulse? I mean, if it's true, it shouldn't matter whether it's mean or if it's if it's at least emotionally true i mean not 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 necessarily mean spirited but uh, but just just truth i mean this notion of truth versus versus being aware of how cruel you may be and mm. writing candidly about a subject well i think they, i think it is pretty candid what's funny is i think that the essays i mean i consistently forget how much of me is in there yeah. you know and i'll talk to somebody and they'll make some reference to my childhood or to you know my first job and I look at them like they're complete sort of psycho stalkers when in fact they're like I, I read your book you know yeah. I, I just forgot so it, it is candid um, but I guess you're, you're suggesting that you perceive some sort of filter going on yeah, and I think I, if there's I, any filtering I think it's editorial filtering I don't think I think that is pretty much you know, me, I'm, I don't walk around with this, like, you know, vicious sort of nugget in my oh, head. Oh, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm actually just asking you about this question of filtering, because in the author's note, you point out that, well, I can understand the need to compress timelines, but right. what is interesting is that you use, you change names, you of use course, composite yeah. characters, and, and a lot of personal essayists, they essentially just tell it like it is. I mean, you know, and... and I uh, don't think they do. <laughs> I actually disagree. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot. I mean, that's where, you know, David Sedaris, who was recently, recently, you know, a tiny kerfuffle about, you know, what's yeah. true and what's not and yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And I think they are telling it like it is in terms of the heart of the story. But if you pick up a personal essay and you think 
that, you know, if a character is wearing a blue dress or a person or whatever we want to call it is wearing a blue dress, if you think that that dress wasn't red in real life, you're out of your mind. I mean, there's just, there's, there's stuff that when you, the second you sit down, you put your pen to paper, mm-hmm. reality gets distorted a tiny bit. Um, yeah. Now, the trick is to keep it, to fight against that. I mean, there are people who take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, and the trick is to just try to, you know, make however you perceive the situation as true as possible as you're writing it, as yeah. opposed to taking advantage of that thing that everyone knows, which is that you can't believe everything you read. Yeah. Well, so your position then is that, well, since it's inherently not true, that therefore it's perfectly okay to change the timeline to create composite No, they are true. They're true, they're true essays. Well, what, what is the nature of truth, then? For <laughs> the nature of truth? Um, my God, I don't know if I'm qualified to answer the nature of truth. What is your personal nature of truth? Again, <laughs> you're, 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 we're going and drifting towards what others have to say about what truth is, but I'm curious my what personal your, nature of truth? your personal nature To retell the story the same way you would tell it if it wasn't in a public forum. Mm-hmm. You know, to take what happened when, you know, somebody... <laughs> I don't want to ruin the essay <laughs> when somebody left a very interesting gift on my uh, bathroom floor yeah. after a dinner party or, you know, how I got rid of a bunch of mementos in my kitchen yeah. or, you know, when I started eating meat or locking myself out of my apartment. To say it the same way you would say it if you were telling somebody else, assuming you're not a crazy compulsive liar. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that is to just get to the point of the story, to get to what's funny about the story, what's interesting about the story, and still what's true about the story. But it doesn't mean you have to leave in every detail. I mean, the writing is about making choices. And I thought, you know, well, it's going to sound very strange if, in fact, you know, two events happen a week apart and it doesn't damage anybody, it doesn't hurt anybody, and no one will ever know if I just say it happened actually six days apart. You know, it's, I mean, they're, I'm telling you that the stuff that's like that is like eye bleedingly boring. I yeah. mean, it's not like, I mean, I am not a, you know, gangbanger from South Central, I assure you. But in terms of this issue of hurting people, even if you disguise names and a friend of yours reads the essay, mm-hmm. that friend will then know that. Oh, yes, I know. warned them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, I know they're bad. I know, I mean, not all of them, but I know that. There are essentially 12 essays that make sort of unabashed fun of me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, it's either the brand of self-deprecation that you can swallow or it's the brand that makes you roll your eyes and think it's false. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's sort of up to other people. I don't care. But, well, <laughs> but the, there are three essays that sort of go for other people's jugulars, as it were. And those are the ones in which you use composite characters? I mean, how many composite characters no. did you concoct for these essays? Which essays did you do this for? Um... Very few of them. That's actually part of the legal disclaimer. Like, a lot of that language yeah. in the beginning is, yeah, like, me, obviously. You're seeing a, a lot, lot of that memoirs these days. Right, about, I was about to this say. This may not be A lot the of truth. it is yeah, not. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can <laughs> you can tell, like, there's a reference to the TV show Different Strokes. I assure you, Riverhead yeah. did not encourage me to put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you can sort of tell, I think, what's, you know, obviously stuff you have to say. Yeah. Um, the stuff that's, like, quote, composite characters are the things that are sort of the quick, like, sort of Hirschfeldian swipes. Mm -hmm. You know, like, here's a sort of, you know, where literally there's a sentence about somebody. That's a composite character. Yeah. Um, The stuff that's longer than that, you know, is... Is rooted Not in really. It's is are, are real. You know, those are real people. Yeah. Hence the warning. I wouldn't feel need, the need to warn somebody if I felt they wouldn't recognize themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, clearly. Uh, but you know, the stuff. In other words, what I'm trying to say is the there's a first essay. Um, 
about uh, different people I had had relationships with, either, you know, brief or extended, who had given me plastic ponies. Mm -hmm. And I try to describe the nature of the ponies being indicative, you know, the kind of pony being indicative of the kind of person who gave me said pony. And so um, when they're quick swipes like that, you know, like, oh, this rainbow pony was, you know, a guy who would later turn out to be gay. I'm not sure if he's actually gay. I think he's gay. Ah, speculation. Exactly. It's speculation. And it's one sentence. And judgment. Yeah, this is the interesting thing because uh, going back to the initial... I'm pretty sure he is The initial trajectory. Now he knows. Now he knows. Now he knows that it's speculation. This is terrible. Now I'm just like, you know, now it's too many sentences. That's the problem. But going back to the initial... Thread of this conversation right. about how essentially this is judgment and possibly some kind of an identity. Well, how do you wrestle with this notion of your own judgment and also the judgment that people place upon that? Or, or do you not worry about such a thing because really the text is up to... What judgment? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you know, judging, judging this particular former flame to be gay oh, or right. uh, judging, you know, uh, judging the nature of what weddings are. I mean, you know, uh, if... if I mean, the, the, what, essentially what I'm suggesting here is that if you are judging in some form, well, then why worry about being mean-spirited? Because if when you go ahead and, and lay down a sentence of judgment, inevitably one person is going to take offense. And of so, you know, so you have, yeah, so you can't win, you can't win them all, you know? Well, you take a leap of faith when you write any sort of personal opinion thing that's not based in the facts of the world and the context of civilization and current events. And yeah. it's simply... Don't you just hate it when that kind of humor? Um, you sort of take a leap of faith that more people will agree with you than not. That's what's funny about it. That's why certain essays are not in there that that got edited out because they were judgmental on a very sort of such a specific line. Mm-hmm. But they didn't actually come out the other end of the specificity to become universal. They were just me saying, "Oh, what was me? I got a parking ticket. Who the hell cares?" Uh-huh. And so that stuff, you know. You just sort of have to, I mean, you were saying that, you know, I'm somehow, or that ah. I wonder if there's a concern with appearances, yeah. but. Well, you're assuming I'm judging you again. So uh, this you is, are, this is the, No, not no? necessarily. Okay, well, we'll go I back and also, listen to the I transcript. Could also be, I could also be momentarily <laughs> advocating a particular position, That's true. you know? That I is mean, true. That's again, true. This, is, this is the notion it's of. It's tricky, but I guess the truth is, is that you just have to have enough faith that it's your voice, that if it pisses some people off, that that's going to be fine because that's the price you pay for more people relating to it than not. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. It does make sense. So for you, you're okay with judgment provided there's a specific, provided there's specificity. That's, that's what I'm getting. Provided there's specificity and that there's reasoning. I think we're talking about two different things though. I mean, between the judgment of the book itself and the judgment in terms of how you as a human being relate well, to other people. Yeah, it's, it's a big, uh, you know, and a, those are very big umbrella things. beast of a question. Yeah, so. exactly. You know, so it's, it's very, those are two, two different beasts. Yeah. With a bigger, bigger beast. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, We'll shift from judgment to, to, to metaphor. Uh, in Christmas in July, you write that lax Judaism is a trickle-down faith in its own right, and upon closer examination, is actually a misnomer. So are you suggesting then that lax Judaism is somehow Keynesian? Or uh, how does, does association along these lines help you to find this sense of truth that we're talking about, this sense of, uh, of a particular holding place for both you as the author and for the reader to draw his or her own conclusions. Well, I think that you have to sort of aim for some kind of truth or some sort of conclusions of your own um, when you're writing. I think 
the, you know, that mean the, the good essays, uh, you sort of learn something new every time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was something I had always thought about vaguely and had kind of honed in on through that essay. Um, you know, I mean, in terms of specifically lax Judaism, um, yeah, I well, think it's just basically what the implication is kind of a little bit sort of as you were saying, it's a little bit that it's become its own animal and it's a, I have to stop breaking references to beasts and animals. Um, that's fine. It's not that it's kind a of feral conversation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but you know, it's, it's, it's something that has become such a misnomer and such a sort of bastardization, something that people say at cocktail yeah. parties that it's actually become its own animal. Shit, I did it again. Yeah. And I cursed. Oh, you can you can curse. This is a podcast. <laughs> is it? Is yeah, it okay? yeah, oh yeah, you can say okay. whatever. You can say whatever. But I mean the idea of like adding a modifier like trickle down mm-hmm. to this effort to wrestle with your lax Judaism is interesting to me because we're dealing not so much with judgment, we're dealing with connoting something. We're dealing with uh, giving some <laughs> turning lax Judaism into its own animal, right. so to speak. So how does this tie in or relate to your specificity of judgment. This idea of pinpointing a particular feeling through metaphor versus pinpointing it through a very specific observation of whether, oh, whether a boyfriend is gay. Um, I actually, well, yeah, that is a specific observation, the, the whether or not the boyfriend is gay. We'll just yeah. keep saying that until it gets more and more insulting and hopefully he's listening and, you know, realizes his true sexuality. Well, we don't know who, which boyfriend, so, <laughs> so he's safe. He doesn't live in the state. He's fine. <laughs> we're narrowing it down. We're narrowing it down. But, but you're evading, One down. But back to this question Right. Here. Oh, I'm sorry. I no, no, no worries. Actually. No worries. Um, but yeah, that is an example. But actually, most of the criticism in the book is through metaphor and it is through qualifiers and things like that because I think um, there's a weird trick to sort of specificity um, and this weird sort of thing that works that shouldn't work which is the the more honed in you get on something you know I'm not including qualifiers to get me off like Alper you know like Al Capone on tax fraud you know it's like it's like oh well technically I can say this because I said mildly or because I said lax Um, but I'm including them instead to try to really get to the heart of the matter um, and and be as detailed as possible and weirdly that relate people relate to that more if I think I if I had just said that being a bad Jew or you know not being very religious has become its own religious faith a that wouldn't be very good writing and um, B I don't think people would understand as quickly as if I had said, who 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 among us has not said I am a lax Jew, yeah. you know, not really stopping to think, um, as I have hopefully done this essay about what that means and how it's become a sort of new definition. Yeah. Does that make sense? But but there is a sense of provocation, I suppose, in being direct versus a more ambiguity within. The trickle-down modifier, which is interesting. I mean, and maybe this is a matter of wanting to resort to word choice on your part in an effort to, I suppose, keep the floodgates open so that there are more possibilities one can infer from well, one word. Well, it's the word. opposite. Oh, okay. It's, 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 it's um, the word choice is, it, that's what I'm saying. It's a strange effect where, like, when you, the more adjectives and the more specificity you use, um the less the floodgates are open, the less people can find themselves in what you're saying. But somehow you're trying to essentially tap into the vein, the one vein that's your audience that people will relate to, Mm -hmm. um, that people think, because if you read something and you think you can find yourself in it, um, 
that's not always the most enjoyable read, you know? I think it's not bad when people feel slightly alienated by some of the essays by people think, you know, well, gosh, you know, I'm not a very religious Jew, but I did go to temple, so this one paragraph, it's so specific, and it just doesn't apply to me anymore. That's yeah. fine. You either put down the book or move down to the, on to the next paragraph, you know? Um, but, again, it's that sort of leap of faith that enough people will understand what you're saying. But there's also this sense of wanting to invert the meaning, like, and I can't remember which essay it is, but one of the essays begins with you in an abusive relationship. And then the notion My of... My first the, job. Your first job, I was about to right. say, careful, I, was, right. I don't think I actually... Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, but, I threw but, down, but, down the stairs. But then, but. you know, within that first paragraph, we're into an entirely different sense of what an abusive relationship is. We think at first that you're confessing, oh, well, I was essentially beaten up by some guy or something along those lines. And then that, ter- that you essentially play off of that notion. So it seems to me that if you are interested in specificity, you're equally interested in this notion Trickery. of, of well, 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 aren't all writers tricksters in some sense? But, 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 well, so you're answering the but, question. But, but, well, yes, but, but I wanted to ask you about when, when is a circumstance require specificity, and when does a circumstance require this level of essentially inverting or obverting the meaning of what you laid down initially? Oh, God. Um, I have no idea. I mean, I think what's funny when you it, when you write something that's so voice-heavy is people constantly want to know. I mean, I mean, what you're essentially asking, and I, and I, I appreciate the question, and I wish there was more of a science to it, but there's not. But what you're essentially asking for me to do is sort of orally rewrite the essay for you right now and rewrite the collection you know what I mean I don't know I think there's a certain you you sit down to write and you know certain things sometimes I have the you know a a certain phrase sometimes I you know can envision the ending perfectly sometimes it's actually the whole story where I think you know and now it can be told Um, and uh, I don't I think that when you're rereading it you can tell you know if you haven't you know, done anything that's really specific in a while, if you feel like you're not really getting to the point, if you want to wrap it up, you know, maybe you're meandering, maybe now is the time to say, and this is exactly what I mean. Um, And then maybe for the beginnings of essays, um, you know, you don't want to ruin it. You're telling a story, essentially. Um, You know, they're true stories, but they're stories. And so uh, you have to have some of that sort of vagary, if you will, in the beginning. Um, and, you know, that one specific essay then turns out the abusive relationship is my first boss and yeah. not some guy who, you know, I'm having this, like, real vision of Twin Peaks when one of the yeah. characters puts a soap in a sock and beats Shelley Leo up. Leo, be, yeah. Fish, yeah, Fish. Anyway, um, it's not that. Uh, but the thing is, there's, you know, a little bit... Of, I mean, there's another essay that starts, um, implies, you know, as... I actually, I can't even quote myself here. I don't remember the line, but something like, you know, as most New Yorkers, or, you know, as most New Yorkers have done, I, I lost, the first time I lost it was in the back of a cab or something yeah. like that. And it turns out I'm referring right. to my wallet, not my virginity. Yeah. Um, because it's fun, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm wondering why you don't go even further just being direct and outrageous. And also, I mean, you know, you could potentially surprise the reader like this. I mean, you could open up a Sloan essay you could have either a this slow inf- a Sloan essay. <laughs> oh my god! No, no, no. But I TM. mean, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> you can open up a Sloan essay, 
And you could either have this sense of, of the nature of the definition of an abusive relationship or of losing a virginity being subverted, or it could even be more truthful. I'm wondering if, if this notion of, of even being more truthful in the sense of, or perhaps more confessional, has occurred to you, and, and therefore, I guess, throwing the reader even further off of balance. Well, I think, actually, that's a good question, because I think what's funny is that's in there for each one, but it comes later. It mm-hmm. is the soft, niggity center, um, because the thing is, that's the big revelation, right? Yeah. Like, whether, you know, the, the heart behind the essay. Um, I think it would be very boring to read essays that were simply just confession after confession after confession. Yeah. I think you can get away with that in a, in a memoir, um, where even the start of the memoir actually starts probably a lot like my individual essays start, but because... You know, there's in a way more surface area to each of these essays. You know, there's more endings and more beginnings in every single moment in the book. Um, you can't do that. You can't just have it be, you know, one big gushy, you know, either bleeding heart or negative, you know, black bleeding heart, whatever. You know, yeah. Whether it's negative or positive or, you know, perceptions or getting to the truth or details. You can't start off with that because you've sort of blown your wad, as it were. You know, I mean, that's the that's the... Well, you're assuming that we're talking about a dichotomy, however. I mean, there is also the idea of confessing something onto paper, but not spelling out all the particular details. I actually, I have... The details are fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, I actually have a very specific example about this. In The Height of Luxury, for example, you write that you were not prepared to turn 16, and then in You on a Stake, you write that there's a natural Darwinism of the brain that forces most people to go to let go of high school. Now, these two statements essentially contradict each other. They do? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, or, or, you know, there's the, the middle ground between, uh, between growing out of this and letting go is, is, is not necessarily explored. So I'm wondering about this gray area. Between well, you can't... Both. You... The... Um, well, maybe, I guess I would, the, the, the one of those I would amend then would be the, the latter, the, the idea that um, there's a sort of casual Darwinism that forces most people to let go of high school when I say let go uh, I wasn't implying block out (laughs) yeah Um, I think you can remember as much as you as much as your brain will allow you to Um, but I think in terms of living in the past uh, that's sort of the the mistake that I'm implying yeah yeah but then also there that goes against the notion of not being prepared to turn 16 so it's this you know it's that it's How does that, that go against the notion well, of not Well, the, the idea here is, that, okay, I'm not prepared to turn 16. Um, therefore, I'm not prepared to, to, to let go of this particular aspect of my existence. And then I, I, I am prepared to let go of this particular aspect of my existence later on down the line. But, but what of that existence itself? That's, that's what I'm saying. And, and that's why I'm suggesting that there's this interesting middle ground here that also goes back to our initial idea of, well, the idea of inverting... A definition of, of something along the lines of an abusive relationship versus just completely exploding your guts out on paper, you know? <laughs> I mean that there is middle ground mess. here that, that I'm wondering, uh, you know, uh, why you, you know, why there isn't as much of an exploratory aspect of this middle ground right. and, and why you're, you know, you're characterizing this even in your answers as a sort of dichotomous realm when in fact there's a lot of territory here. Well, I don't think, I think, I think what, 
you know, what you're saying is, is prevalent throughout the essays. I don't think the example is necessarily a good one because um, the context of I was not prepared to turn 16, the sentences that surround it are not, and because I was just so damn pissed about losing sight of, you know, my 15-year-old self, the, the idea is that uh, my mother hadn't really taught me any significant female skills. You know, 16, not having been, you know, had a bat mitzvah and 16 was sort of like, okay, this is really when you're becoming an adult, you know, you just, it felt like, you know, it's a weird time in any girl or guy's life. I won't get into the sort of, you know, physical logistics of it. Um, But, you know, she hadn't taught me how to, you know, write like a functional human being, how to use eyeliner, you know, but I was said said that I was sort of willing to be ignorant of anything I had to sharpen to stick near my eyeball. And um, so when I said I was not prepared, it's not a matter of like letting go of the past. So therefore there's no I just I just didn't see how those two sentences connect well all. well because they relate Do you see what I'm saying yeah I see what you're saying you're 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 reading you're you're essentially saying that because this sentence is next to another context that the sentence itself cannot be removed and tied in relation to another essay that has a similar feeling yes uh, basically I, I, I think that's I why think not that's why, true. Why, why, why can't why can't because, we go ahead and do um, that because the entire essay is really an entirety of an essay is in its own way. Um, wow. That's a cement truck. It's, a, it's like a cement truck, you know? No, I'm kidding. Um, no, but in the entirety of an essay is, yeah. is um, an argument that no one asked for, mm. essentially. But, you know, but, it's, like, it's like no one came up to you and said, you know, well, you, you seem like, you, you know, lax Judaism is a real thing or like volunteer, you know, no one, no one came up to you and said something. You're just sort of sort of postulating about something. So it's hard to take sentences individually out unless they directly contradict each other, unless it's something like, you know, in one essay I say, you know, I have blue eyes and the next essay I say I have green eyes. That seems totally false and very strange. But to say that I wasn't prepared to turn 16 and then that... Uh, people should not dwell in high school seems very disconnected to me in terms of being a yin and a yang. Is it thing. any less disconnected from compressing timelines or creating composite characters? I mean, such is life. Yes, but you're using that to make an argument. I just don't. I'm sorry. I'm just. I don't understand the question. Well, no. I mean, I, what I, I mean. Okay. Well, well, we'll let we'll let these ambiguities for, okay. for further ambiguities for the listeners here to no to pick no no up. But, I mean, but, but, and I'm happy I, I I wish I I wish I could answer you it's just that I feel like I I don't fully understand the analogy so and because so many of the essays are based in analogy that's totally how well, I think is my favorite part of the SATs yeah, and it's yeah. big, you know difficult to there latch I, onto okay well well fair enough I I, I, I wanted to actually switch text and ask okay. you about um I know that this book was originally set up at Harper, and then it mysteriously re-emerged at, at Riverhead. What happened with this? Wow, 10 points for you being the first person to ask me about that. <laughs> Did you get that online? Oh, I, I have my little sources. You have your sources, nice. Very good. Um, what happened was is, okay, it's actually kind of a long story. Um, I mean, the, the nugget that I've told people, uh, you know, that went out with the press packets and everything, which is which is very true. And this actually, funnily enough, might mirror yeah. some of the larger, you know, sort of conceptual issues that you're sort of touching on, um, which is that I wrote an essay, or I, I'd locked myself out of two different apartments in the same day, uh, which is amazing. Uh, and the same locksmith came to bust me out eight hours later, 12 hours later. 
Wow. Anyway, uh, so I wrote about this experience knowing that it was something that was so outlandish I was going to probably tell a lot of people about it. Um, and because of my day job, one of the people I've become sort of real life sincere friends with was Ed Park, the Village Voice. Yeah. Uh, and Ed offered to, you know, have me clean it up and turn it into an essay. And I thought, well, that's great. I've only been writing fiction, you know, and I, you know, book reviews, music reviews, things like that. So I assure you, this is the answer to your question. So I uh, sent the, you know, email to Ed and boom, it appeared in the voice. And that is how I say the book came to be, which is true. However, what happened was, is that Gawker picked up, um, that piece um, and then they started picking up I, as I started writing for The Voice they picked up I think a couple of other pieces um, including one um, that I did afterwards on uh, the evils of Evites yeah. and sort of technical etiquette um, and now it seems sort of silly since there's been you know the sort of the book Send and all these sort of yeah. things and, and it's been really explored in depth but it was just a quick little Village Voice article about you know how why you shouldn't you know what, what a text message counts for is it a quarter of a phone call that kind of thing anyway uh, the centerpiece of which were the e-bites so an editor uh, who was working at Plume at the time <laughs> you asked this is going to be long no, no, an editor who was working at Plume at the time um, which is an imprint in Penguin yeah. called me uh, and wanted to have drinks uh, to talk about turning it into a technical etiquette book ah. and so I met with him and I said you know I, I work in publishing I see way too many non-fiction books that I look at and think gee this would have made a good article yeah, yeah. too bad that somebody felt that they needed to you know write an entire history of the earlobe so um, I said well I could turn it into etiquette in general a sort of modern day like sort of really bastardized Emily Post who kind of doesn't know how to function and I think the heart of that is still weirdly in the book a little bit um, and, you know, that's sort of like bumbling Larry David kind of situation. And so um, he really liked it. And there were some people above him that, you know, were mixed about it. I can't remember the details, but I know that uh, there were layoffs at Penguin. It just kind of got lost. Um, and then I was talking to a girl who I used to work with at HarperCollins about it, not in any sort of pointed way, but just sort of thinking, oh, well, this almost happened. No, it didn't. Uh, she said, can I look at it? I forwarded it to her. This was four pages plus this material I had had from The Voice and various other sort of venues and a couple of pieces in The Observer, I think. Um, and they very sweetly were forwarding around like a sort of email forward in, in Harper and laughing at it. Um, they bought the book. Uh, and then it gradually turned into something very different uh, than sort of what they had purchased. And so... Um, ah, okay. Yeah, exactly. And so then, you know, it just didn't make sense anymore for yeah. it to be there. So um, I met with a couple of editors and, um, you know, then Riverhead bid on it. And now, yeah. you know, with Sean McDonald and Larissa Dooley, who was this amazing assistant who worked with him. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they all lived happily ever after, pretty much. Yeah, that is the longest no, no, <laughs> explanation no. Uh, for that. So essentially it went from technical etiquette to these these personal essays. Well, I, think I can't write a thing on technical. I mean, I'm, I, I don't have internet at home. I'm, I'm completely... Really? Well, I steal it occasionally. You know what I mean? I have, Occasionally, if I hold it in the hallway, oh, like my well. computer, you know, technically I Because I know I you answer it. your emails rather at odd hours. Because they gave me... Um, they, the man. They. Brandon House gave <laughs> the, me the, the unseen. What, what exactly? What is sort of the modern day equivalent of like the like the prisoner anklet that I can't leave the state with, which is the BlackBerry. Yeah, so yeah, I, I have access to that. Interesting. I'm totally addicted to it now, which is terrible. Um, but you know, when I 
I didn't have a BlackBerry. I actually didn't have email at home, period, or any kind of internet access when they asked me to write this thing about yeah. technical etiquette. And I thought, you know, that 500-word piece in the voice, is, you're looking at it. That's all I got. Do you not have internet at home to protect yourself so that you don't constantly connect to the world like this? Because, I, you know, if you have the ball and chain around your ankle, so to speak, with the BlackBerry, well, then uh, I suspect that... Uh, the BlackBerry is enough. There, yeah. there, there isn't much of an appeal to, to be further connected. Or, or is, it, is this really a matter of, I guess, uh, stealing yourself up uh, or having some sanctuary, I suppose? Well, stealing is the key word here, uh, but not in the sense that you mean it. I mean, I do sometimes steal other people's <laughs> internet connection. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's not something you miss, just the way I didn't miss having a BlackBerry, but now I think, I mean, I, I really... I feel very, you know, naked if I leave it in the house now, you right. know, as, I, as I'm leaving. I'm totally addicted to it now. It's terrible. Right. Um, but not having it at home is just, I don't think it's a way of cutting myself out from the world. I think it's just, that well, I just don't have it. Inevitably. I think it's, 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 it's also the other thing is, is um, it's funny, my grandmother had this, really old Toyota Camry that she used to drive around that lasted longer than any Toyota Camry has a right to because she had it specially made so that it didn't have automatic windows and it didn't have automatic anything. It had, you know, the crank down windows. I'm making the cranking gesture. You can't tell because it's radio. Um, because it's more to break. <laughs> and she's right about pretty much everything in general and specifically yeah. that. And part of me, I, I am poisoned to technology, which is reason, reason number 126. I had no business writing the technical etiquette book. Yeah. But, um, I've gone through, and it's quite the expensive habit, about uh, five laptops in the past seven years. Really? I touch them, and they break. And I don't know what happens. I bring them into the tech serve. They say, I'm sorry, you've melted the motherboard. I say, you know, as if I've been making, you know, high-tech videos or flowcharts. I do nothing. I use Microsoft Word. So part of my, you know, is an unreasonable paranoia that hooking up the internet and having one more thing that I'm constantly on the computer for will lead it to break. But laptops are really flimsy. Like my laptop, which is about, I think, three years old now, is like, it's in pieces and yet it still functions. <laughs> so well, so it's not you, you I think. you have a gift and no, I do not. No, no, I assure you, I, I'm, a, I'm as clumsy as they come sometimes with these Yeah, things. I don't know what it is. I don't uh, do anything, but uh, somehow uh, I, I, I fuck it up every time. Yeah, gotcha. Well, Sloan, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Great. Great. Ice cream and cake, do the ice cream and cake. Ice cream and cake, do the ice cream and cake. Ice cream and cake, do the ice cream and cake. Ice cream and cake, do the ice cream and cake. Now slip, 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 slide.